Welcome to the Life Gets Better Now podcast with Mary Hayes Greco. On today's show, you'll know in a flash, intuition. I'm producer Erin Warhol, and I'm here with author and spiritual teacher Mary Hayes Greco. Hello. Hey, Mary. So we've been having a great time with these podcasts, Life Gets Better Now. We've been exploring the tools of self-mastery and how to use those tools in life as a classroom. Because it's a rough gig sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes you need a little help. And if you know how to use your tools, you're that much better. Yes. So yeah, first we explored forgiveness in depth, and then we've moved on to other tools, intention, purpose, will. We've talked about how we all have a common human purpose to learn and to love. Mm Mm-hmm. And today we're expanding this discussion around purpose into how intuition plays a role. Right, because it's one of our uh, biggest helpers. It's our our compass, our guide, the uh, quiet navigation coming from our soul. Mm, Beautifully put, beautifully put. And I just wanted, before we really go into that, I was just going to say, you know, I had some reflections after we recorded our last podcast mm-hmm. where you about shared... About our common human purpose? Yeah. Well, yeah. And it, your story about Aunt Anne. And mm-hmm. so if you, if anyone's listening and hasn't heard that story, you know, look it up <laughs> from our previous podcast because it was great. But I think it taught me something really surprising to me. And really? It, it's around purpose and how maybe I approach purpose with sort of a to-do list. Huh. And like, well, what, what's my goal here? And I think listening to Aunt Anne and, and just the profound life advice that you got from her in her later years. With and to her. remind you, this is my old, completely drunken Aunt <laughs> Anne, <laughs> who was living in her teeny-weeny little apartment in her house dress with her hair sticking up straight. Right. And many people wouldn't look at and say, what a masterful soul. Yeah. But, but she was. And she had some some very simple and potent wisdom to deliver. Yeah, and so I was thinking about that afterwards and just thinking that's it's more about being who you're here to be and not necessarily doing what mm. you're here to do. Mm-hmm. As when you think of purpose, that who am I here to be? And mm. Uh, mm. I think for me it was just a little bit of an edge because I can I can kind of take things on and go, okay, I'm gonna figure this out. So I, I just wanted to thank nice. you for sharing that story. Nice. And in a way, it's it really is a layer after layer of getting to know who we are yeah. and feeling accepting and loving about being who we are. Yeah. And recently, I was at a retreat with some friends and uh, one of my colleagues, who is just such a masterful person, I mean, she's just... She's smart as a whip, and she's got a Ph.D. and more letters, you know, after her name than you can shake a stick at. And she's just, she's excellent at so many things. And she's been all about improvement, self-improvement her whole Mm -hmm. life. But it was interesting what she shared with us in this last time together. She said, you know, I'm usually making goals, and I'm thinking about improving myself. I'm thinking about healing my wounds, dispelling my fears, and uh, improving my skill set, sharing my gifts. And that's all good. That is really good. But I feel now that I'm being called to just keep getting more real. Wow. Yeah. She said, I'm going to just, I'm going to do that for a while. I'm just going to be about being real and being as, as real as I'm able to be. 
and do it more often in more situations. More steadily. Yeah, more, yeah. There's like certain situations where you let yourself be real. Yeah. And other situations where you put on a hat or a persona or a yeah. role. And, you know, sometimes that makes sense. But, mm-hmm. you know, she's in her late 60s and mm-hmm. she's accomplished a lot. And if she can't at this point say, well, too bad if you don't like it. Yeah. This is me, you know. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so I, I like that. I like that, I like that too. About just Let's just get more and more real. And part of how we get more real, Mary, is we listen to that little voice in our being that is guiding us, our intuition. The Yeah, the presence of our soul and our soul's uh, indication of who we are, who we mean to be, what we need, who our people are, what our tasks are, what we're learning spiritually what jobs and uh, roles in society will please us and that we will be gifted at and be able to be contributors at. Our soul is the, the driver of the car. Uh, the personality is the car. Yeah, <laughs> so like the soul and the personality are working together to create uh, a meaningful life. And I think it, it behooves us to discover our own navigation system between soul and personal self because there's different ways that we are guided. There's different types of um, intuition and there's different amounts of intuition that people have to use. Yeah, so in this in this podcast, we are really focusing on intuition and what it is and why we have it. And does everyone have it? That's a really great question. Um, and if you, you did a Myers-Briggs test yeah. in your uh, corporate workplace 10 or 15 years ago, <laughs> you found out who the N's were, who the uh-huh. intuitive people were, <laughs> and some of the rest of you were S's and T's and J's. And uh, I'm, of course, a high N, as uh-huh. are you, I'm yeah. imagining, yeah. right? High intuitive. So, so there's certain personality inventories that would say, well, some of us are intuitives and some of us aren't. Uh-huh. Uh, I've come to think of intuition as any other life skill that you have a certain propensity towards it or not, a certain mm-hmm. amount of gift with it or not, and you can train yourself to have more. You can mm-hmm. learn a little more. So okay. you can be, you can learn to do math. You can learn to get better at math. You can get tutoring for math and get mm-hmm. more mathematical, but you might not be a math genius. Right. Yeah. There, there's a difference between someone who can do some basic math and prove their math, and someone who is a mathematician. Yeah. In the same way, someone who's a cook, someone who uh, you can learn to cook. You can mm-hmm. take cooking classes. You can watch the cooking channel. You can watch Chopped yeah. or the <laughs> Chef's Table, yeah. and you can learn some tips and cook. But are you a cook? Yeah. You know, you're you're cooking. You can, but are you a cook? So uh, there's uh, there's certain ways of looking at intuition in the same way that uh, I think, you know, there's a spectrum of Uh this kind of a normal bell curve in the middle. In the middle, most people, the normal uh, section of the bell curve, most people have some intuition around uh, safety. Mm-hmm. They have that gut feeling. It's yeah. like, oh, I'm not, oh, you know, I, I got to get out of this neighborhood. This isn't safe. Or, or mm, I don't like this person. I don't, I'm not trusting what they're saying. Something, something yeah. in my belly doesn't like them. Uh, most people have intuition. If they have children mm-hmm. and they're, they're well bonded with their children, they will 
be the mom that walks into the room just as the toddler is putting a plastic thingy in their mouth yeah. and grasp it from them, you know. <laughs> just stick your so, hand right you, down there and you've done it that, out. right? You, <laughs> yes. Suddenly your feet start walking across yeah. the room and yeah. they, they walk just in time to, to prevent a fall or a spill yeah. or a choking. So moms have intuition. Lovers have intuition. Yeah. When you meet, met your mate, you had that feeling, you had that, I call it God's yellow highlighter. Oh, uh, yeah. You, you know, like, like there's some light on this person or thing that makes you go, hmm, huh, this is important. I'm, I'm going to go hang out with this person. So uh, maybe you have a special sister that, I know you have a special sister, but maybe uh, people listening have a special sister that, oh, you always call each other on the same day. You're just thinking about calling yeah. her and she calls you. Yep. Or you find that she's in your heart and you're thinking, oh, you know, I'm feeling kind of concerned about her or oh, I, I just want to talk to her. Mm-hmm. And you call her up and she's in some really exuberant bit of good news. And mm-hmm. you felt it. You felt that connection. Yeah. So so that's the normal kind of intuition that mm-hmm. a lot of people have. I would, to the left hand of the uh, normal bell curve, we would have people who have very, very little, mm-hmm. very, very little intuition. People that are, let's say, spiritually more asleep. Mm, we could okay. say people, and I don't mean this in an insulting way, yeah. but people who vibrationally are more dense, yeah. They're not as refined and open and um, uh, uh, vibrating in a higher consciousness way. Mm-hmm. They're they're more like little seeds. When you see mm-hmm. a seed that's closed and there's a hard shell around it, there's all this material and DNA inside, but it's not time yet. Mm-hmm. It's not time yet for that seed to crack open and sprout. Yeah. So, so you meet lots of people who are just going along and mm-hmm. TikTok and kind of doing what they were trained to do and what they can do and... Um, enjoying life and being part of the culture and not thinking a lot about it. And then on the other side of normal, you have people that are quite sensitive. Yes. People who are real tuned in Mm -hmm. to other people. You have empaths. You have people like uh, nurses, social workers, psychologists, uh, certain um, uh, health workers, people who are really tuned in empathically, in a caring way, in a, in a uh, helpful way to the welfare of others. And they're probably drawn to those roles. They're drawn those to those roles, roles and professions. Right, yeah. because they, they get people yeah. and they're kind people themselves. They're able to establish rapport with people. Mm-hmm. So these are would be uh, people that are more intuitive, more sensitive, mm-hmm. and are using their gifts and their work. Although I would say that the really good car mechanics are using their intuition, oh, too. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Anyone who's really good at what they do, yes. the kindergarten teacher, the car mechanic, and the people that are just excellent are using that intuition yeah i mean i i would even say a a research scientist might be very intuitive even though they're going to use scientific methods absolutely it's going to be grounded in their in their methods but something is guiding them towards emphasizing this or moving away from that Mm -hmm. something and i would say scientific people are more uh logical Mm -hmm. and have tend to have more of a a brainy auditory intuition where they just have a persistent thought. Mm. A persistent mm-hmm. thought mm-hmm. is going to guide them in checking out their data. Yeah. And think about this. Now look at this. There's a persistent uh, thought that won't go away, and that's a, it's a form of intuition. And then on the far end of the spectrum, you have people uh, like psychics yes. and healers and yes. shamans and people who are adept with the subtle, people who are adept with the life of the soul Mm -hmm. and with the life of the subtle energy system and with the life of uh, 
strange and um, symbolic illnesses yeah. and the ability to work in a, in a deep, deep space with people to address soul-deep issues. And those people have a place in many cultures. Mm -hmm. They don't have much of a place in our culture. Uh, we are more um, doubtful of it or more glamorizing of it, uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> which are both blocks to the, the effective use of a psychic faculty is to be is to have too much doubt or too much glamour around yeah. it. So. But now you, if I can ask, you know a little bit about that because didn't you, you worked as a psychic? I worked as, a, as psychic. a psychic. I did. Okay. I worked as a psychic for 12 years. And how did you get into that, How on that, earth Mary? did I grow up and do that <laughs> career? Mommy, when I grow up, can I be a psychic? That's not what <laughs> happened. No, I, um, I always... Uh, I always was. I was. It's a kind of a wiring thing, you know. Mm -hmm. You are you are wired for it genetically. Yeah. And uh, it tends to run in families. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure where it came from in my family, but but I was born uh, seeing and knowing a lot more things than the people around me were seeing and knowing, yeah. perceiving, perceiving more deeply, and um, being really sensitive to energies, positive and negative, and and spirit. And did you were you aware that you were different than other people? Or I mean, how no, did that... I wasn't because the cool thing is, uh, and my parents, my parents weren't afraid of it yeah. at all because they my parents were dedicated Catholics with, from a mystical tradition. Like they raised us on the lives of saints. Mm. I read the lives of saints my whole life when growing up, and and they were always telling us stories from the the Catholic tradition about the miracles and the insights of this saint or that saint. They were all psychics. They were all, you know, here having audience uh, transmissions from God or the Holy Spirit. They were mm -hmm. having visions. They were healing, doing healings. So there's this tremendous tradition in the Catholic faith around psychics and healers, but they didn't call it that. Yeah. They called it saints, and they acted as though these were the rare people that and that we are going to revere, and now the rest of you are really up to that snuff. But, yeah. so, but because that was happening in my home, and my mom always talked about uh, Mary and Jesus, as though they were relatives. You know, oh, people, yeah. You know, yeah. Aunt Jill, uh, Uncle Dan, Mary and Jesus. <laughs> they were all <laughs> in the home, you know. So so I I grew up thinking uh, uh, that there wasn't that much of a veil between what a saint could do and what I could do and, mm. and between the masters and the invisible and us. I used to see Jesus and Mary in my backyard playing with me when I was four or five. Wow. Yeah, I thought it was normal. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus would sit in the sandbox with me and play with sand in his toes, and i I tell him my, my issues with my brother, and he, he would laugh about it. And, you know, so now I've lost half the audience, but I'm sorry. It's just, it's just real. I'm just going to be real here. So, yeah, so when I... Uh, and I, so I just thought everybody saw the same things I saw and I knew the same things I knew. But And then um, the year that I went hitchhiking around the nation as a hippie. Yeah. You know, during the hippie years. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of that going on. And I was I was doing it during, like, the last gasp era, the last, you know, gasoline fumes of when this was acceptable in our culture that we hitchhiked around and explored yeah. life. And, uh, and I hitchhiked all over the place. It had great, great experiences and great mm -hmm. adventures, and I never got harmed or got very close to harm because I was listening to my intuition. 
And I knew when to stop. I knew when I sucked my thumb out, I thought, no, 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 stop for today. This mm-hmm. isn't good. Stop. And I would stop and camp, and I wouldn't go on that day because my safety mechanism was guiding me, or my safety mechanism was telling me who to get in the car with or who not to get in the car with. And I just thought everybody knew that stuff. Yeah. I thought everybody knew. Like, people would say, well, gosh, aren't you, weren't you scared? How did you know if, if you know, how did you not get hurt? I said, well... You don't get in the car with the wrong people, and they're, they they look. I, I said yeah. that to them like, don't you, don't you know that? And they looked at me like, well, how do you know that? Yeah, how uh, do you know uh, that? It began to occur to me. I mean, what? Maybe no. How would it show this. up for you though? How like is your, you would just get a sense? Yes, so, I would get a okay. sense from the first second. And you knew to follow it. You didn't ignore it. You didn't. No, I say, always oh, followed silly. it. I, okay. I knew. I knew. The few times that I have really ignored my intuition, I've yeah. regretted it so badly, and it, and it, and I knew that it was so such a flagrant violation of what I knew that I, yeah. I just don't do it. I just well, follow okay. it. Well, okay, I can relate to that, but on a much smaller scale because I have a thing with myself. If I'm shopping at the grocery store yeah. and the thought occurs to me, I wonder if we need milk. I have learned from experience that, yes, we do. If, That's if your that, intuition. Yep, if the thought occurs to me while I'm there in the grocery store, go buy the milk. Go get the milk. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's trying to make your life easier. This okay. is the thing about intuition. There's two things that it's trying to do. It's trying to make your life easier. It's trying to help you be happy as you, okay. as the creature you are. It's also keeping you safe, and it's guiding you into your purposes. And that's what it's there for. It's not scary. It's not the stuff of those horrible teenage movies that uh-huh. you know where psychics are in touch with demonic forces and all of that. I worked as a psychic for 12 years and have lived with this channel that I could turn on from time to, time to time my whole life, and I've never encountered the kind of darkness that people say is associated with this. I've encountered nothing but a lot of grace and light, and it's helped me to avoid the darkness. So, Is it a burden to have this or not? You, you have to know about it. You have to know how it operates, right? It's not a burden. It's a, it's a thing to manage in a your personality. Not really, uh, because uh, a I'm a good psychic, and mm-hmm. and um, and the way that I do it is I don't walk around twenty four seven with the channel open, going, oh my god, that person on the street corner over there has got you know this disease, and oh my god, this yeah. person over here needs guidance about that. I, I don't have it on all the time. It was a very uh, strict contract when people came to me for a reading; they'd come and. Uh, I would have prepared myself. I would be well-rested. Uh-huh. I would be empty of stress. Mm-hmm. I'd be in a peaceful place. They'd come in with their three or four questions on a piece of paper. We'd have a little cup of tea, talk a little bit, get comfortable. I would pray and open up the channel, mm-hmm. and then I would see things, hear things, sense things, know things uh, that I pieced together in an interpretation of what was going on with their life of their soul and their purposes here and what the block was about this and what the relationship uh, goal here is with that. And uh, so, so it was a very strict, uh, it's, not, it's like, you know, not, not talking to a doctor at a party about your gallbladder, right. you know? <laughs> it hurts a boundary. over here. Let no, doctor, would you look at my yeah. shoulder blade? Look, no, it's like there's a boundary. It's, you, don't have it, you don't have it on all the time. So, uh, but then if you, if you are a psychic person and you're wired for this extreme sensitivity, you do have to manage uh, your 
lifestyle mm-hmm. because you can get overwhelmed pretty easily. Yeah. Your, your, your nervous system is more uh, responsive and reactive and you're perceiving so much that you need, you need more rest than other people. I need, I need more rest than everyone I know. And, and that takes the form of uh, meditating or staring into space with my cup of tea for a good 20 minutes or going to my cabin because I've had enough of people and I want to just be with the trees. And most people I know who are really sensitive need a, a good, healthy dose of solitude in nature. Has, has it, what has come through ha, when you've been a psychic or when you worked as a psychic, has it ever surprised you or scared you? Or, I mean, I would love for you to, you know, share, is there a story you could share about a reading you did or? <laughs> oh, Let's see. Well, there's so many stories. Uh, I don't think it ever scared me. I, it, it did scare me just on a, uh, you know, family cultural level when I started actually working as a psychic and I had to tell people what I do. Oh, <laughs> that was scary because you know you're you're in a crowd and someone says, "Oh, I said, what do you do?" And I said, "Well, I'm a psychic." Well, there's a fifty percent chance they are going to head for the hills because yeah. they think you're reading them yeah. or they think you're a weirdo or crazy or they're going to lean in and go oh, how fascinating yeah. and glamorize it yeah. or make you somehow different so that was scary it was actually just saying I am one I am uh-huh. a psychic and it's too bad the word is so polluted because it means of the soul it, it does that's what it means psyche of the soul psychology study of the soul it's a beautiful word that's been just desperately polluted by people's uh, misunderstandings around it. So so that was scary, just on a social level. But nothing like spooky, like, you know, devils or spirits or or your sudden death or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's some guidelines if you do work in this way. There's some guidelines about you never do predict death mm-hmm. for someone. Because you could be wrong. Right. And your words could have too much impact on them and make right. them really worried, you know. So I always told people... I think probably about 80 to 85% of what I'm telling you is fairly accurate. Okay. And you are fully, you, not me, you, client, are fully responsible for the 15 to 20% that is off because of my humanness. Okay. <laughs> you are responsible for that. I'm not responsible for that. So it's like take, take what's good and leave the rest. That's, that's so, okay, so I think what I want to do is talk a little bit more about how people can develop their own intuitive abilities, yes. even if they're not on the far spectrum. Right, because we've been talking on the far spectrum here, and I just I just wanted to, to share that. No, I think that's great. It, it kind I, of first, explains why I'm um, talking about a lot of things as though I know how they tick and work, because I, I was given some pretty good information in those 12 years about yeah. how things tick and how they work and the life of the soul. Excellent. Yeah. Well, okay, before we go in more, I want to tell people more about you in addition to being psychic. You are an <laughs> author. You've written two books, Mary Hayes Greco, The New Kitchen Mystic, A Companion for Spiritual Explorers, and Unconditional Forgiveness, A Simple and Proven Method to Forgive Everyone and Everything. They're both wonderful and helpful books. And Mary, you're also the director of the Midwest Institute for Forgiveness Training. And in that role, you've helped thousands of people heal through workshops, private consultations. You've been doing this for more than 25 years, and you your work has taken you all around the world. Yes. So, And I don't always out myself as a psychic. I can't <laughs> believe I'm doing this today, but it seems, it seems right. It's helpful. So gonna, it's really interesting. It. Yeah. It's really interesting. Okay. Well, before we go there, let's acknowledge our sponsors. Oh, yes. Okay. So we wouldn't be here without them. We wouldn't. No. 
This podcast is brought to you by Unconditional Love, the energy and attitude of unconditional love. It is there for you, it is in abundance, and it wants you to thrive. And by the new definition of forgiveness. Forgiveness is releasing an expectation that is causing you to suffer. Pass it on. Excellent. Okay, so we've stated that the point of this podcast is so that people can learn to master the tools that we have in our lives so that we can be our best selves and our lives can flourish, which I think is a wonderful approach, a wonderful stance. And we've been talking about how intuition plays a key role because, as you say, it's one way that our soul speaks to us, Mm -hmm. right? It's how our soul guides us into staying safe, Mm-hmm. into connecting with the people that are our soul buddies and that mm-hmm. are our important people in this life, into the work and the uh, offerings of our talents that are, will be the most rewarding, and into uh, greater levels of purpose all the time. Excellent. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, I'm not to the degree that, that you are, and we I've met some other people who are very, very psychic and see all sorts of things. I've heard a few stories from you, Erin <laughs> well, But I do. I've heard one or two of those stories. I, I have had different experiences, and I would say that sometimes, you know, they've startled me. Like, mm-hmm. what is this all about? But I've they've also been really helpful. Like, I've had a number of experiences in my work where I've intuitively sort of gleaned something that was very helpful. And one thing mm-hmm. that was just coming to mind f- for me was uh, when I was working in radio and there was a weekend show that a food guy was doing and he suddenly left and I suddenly had to come up with a new show for that spot. And I had wanted, I'd been looking for a way to do a show with my colleague and friend, Dr. Marty Erickson, who's a motherhood expert. And I was like, oh, you know, that's totally about amplifying the feminine voice for sure. And I was like, <laughs> you go, Erin, oh. you go. So I was working really hard on like getting her, getting her interested, figuring out how it was going to go. And I was trying to figure out who to part, who to put with her, who to partner her on the radio with. And I was thinking about this as I was laying in bed one night and I kept hearing Marty and Aaron, Marty and Aaron, Marty and Aaron. And I'm like, I practically like said out loud back to myself, yes, I, Aaron, am helping Marty figure out this show. Now, who is it that we're supposed to partner her with? And then it dawned on me, her daughter's name is Erin. Oh, <laughs> so and, good job in interpreting yeah, that and it little finally, mysterious like, it came intuition. And I was like, her daughter Erin, who is also a motherhood expert, and I called Marty the first thing the next morning, and I said, what about if you did this show with your daughter? And she's like, oh my goodness, perfect. And she was interviewed for a newspaper article, and she wrote, she said to the person who interviewed her, the only reason I did this show is because I could do it with my daughter, and it just felt so right. <laughs> and I thought that was really funny. Wonderful. <laughs> so because you are uh, excellent in what you do as a producer, and you are a sensitive mm-hmm. person, you have had your intuition flowing into your yeah. career a number of times. Yeah. So, But, I mean, I could have just ignored it easily. That's right. the thing. Or said, oh, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. yeah right. Because at first I kind of was. I was like, I But it was so sleep. persistent. It was persistent. That you had to stick with it. And yeah. that's one of, the, one of the things that when you have something persistently uh, presenting itself to you in a subtle way, but it won't shut up, it's really worth asking into it and finding out, well, what, what, well, what if I do, what if I go with that? Oh, I see. 
Yeah. And and maybe sometimes you see right away or maybe down the road sometimes you see. Sometimes it unfolds. Sometimes you look back. But I love to tell a story about uh, my intuition's greatest hit. Oh, yes. I want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> and I also want to kind of begin the story with saying, you know, I'm with you about the intuition in the grocery store. Yeah. Because it really is there for everyday life ease. <laughs> and, you know, if you're driving in the car and your intuition says, go to the store right now and pick up chicken, yeah. then do you it. should do it. Yeah, because you're going to be so glad when you get home that you picked up the, the rotisserie chicken because something else came up and you didn't have time to cook anything else. There you go. You follow it. It's there. One day, one time I woke up and my intuition was shouting in my mind, Dayton's Home Store, carpeting. <laughs> okay, that's when there was a Dayton's Home Store here in the Twin Cities. and I, But I'd been wanting carpeting for a while from my hallway. It was old, and I, I said, I'm going to get around and get him some new carpeting for the hallway. Well, sure enough, I call up Dayton's Home Store, and it's on sale. Oh, good. It has just gone on sale that day, so... So my intuition is all about the bargain. It's, your intuition yes. is frugal. Your intuition is follows the frugal uh, need in my life. So, yeah, and your intuition will follow your values. It okay. will follow what you have said is important. Oh, so, good to know. Yeah, so the bargain is important to me, so I, I, find, I find him with my intuition. But here's the, the greatest hit, okay? So there I was many years ago, once upon a time in 1975 or six. And um, I was near the end of college. I had one quarter left to finish. I was living with a boyfriend who was pretty, he was pretty nice. I was thinking about marrying him. He had a lot of um, good qualifications. And, but something was kind of like, oh, I don't know. Is this... and, and I was hungry to meet my mate. Mm. I was hungry to find my home mm-hmm. and to meet my mate. And I knew that I wasn't going to stay in Chicago. I, I don't know why I knew that, but I... I think I was just feeling like it was just too much for my noise, for my nerves. <laughs> Your sensitivity. Yeah, my sensitivity. I was living in an intense city neighborhood, and the summers were hot and loud and uh, sirens. I don't know. I just thought, ugh, i got to get out of here. So at any rate, I was going around in the spring of my last year of college with one quarter to finish after this. And as I went here and there, I began to notice the word... Minneapolis mm-hmm. or Minneapolis St. Paul. I would hear it in conversation next to me in a restaurant and my head would turn. Oh. My head would spontaneously turn to see who's that person and what who just said Minneapolis. Yeah. And then I'd be in a bookstore and I'd see a magazine with a article on the cover about Minneapolis St. Paul, Twin Cities, Good Living, or whatever. Oh Minneapolis. Hmm. Another time I just it's just coming left and right. The the yellow highlighter on the words Minneapolis, St. Paul. Mm. And I thought, geez, that's interesting. I keep kind of hearing about Minneapolis. I wonder what that's all about. Well, one night that spring, I had a dream, which I cannot recall the specifics, but it ended with a loud, uh, affirmative voice saying, you need to move to Minneapolis. (laughs) That's not very subtle. (laughs) No, it was not subtle at all. I sat up in the early dawn light, looked around and said, I need to move to Minneapolis? I don't even know where it is. Let me just go look at a map. I go look at a map and it, oh man, it's north. Mm. It's far north. This is, we're talking about near Canada, you know. Oh, it's north. Hmm. Wow. Why would I need to move to Minneapolis? But it felt right. Okay. felt right inside me. And I had just been in a few years of traveling adventures. So I thought, well, why don't I just go visit? I'll go visit Minneapolis. And 
I'll just, uh, maybe I'll just stay there for the summer, get my head together, think about this, decide if I'm going to be with Bob or if I'm going to study this or do that later. And, okay, so I'm going to do that. And I was on my very last, very last uh, <laughs> bit of safety on my hitchhiking thumb. Yeah. It's, like, it's like a meter, just some kind of a cosmic <laughs> meter. Out. Yeah, the safety was about to run out, but I had one more ride on my thumb, I felt. And <laughs> I thought, let's go, let's go, Billy. I got my brother Bill, who likes to travel too, and he and we decided we would thumb up to to Minneapolis and visit and see if I'm going to stay there for the summer. And we did, and we got to the highway outside of Chicago. I stuck out my thumb, mm-hmm. and a car just screeched to a halt that immediate second. I thought, wow. And I look in, and this really, really nice and kind of angelic looking guy, foreign guy who didn't speak any English, but he had this lovely energy. And he looked at Billy and I and smiled and he said, Minneapolis? (laughs) (laughs) This really happened, Erin. And I said, yeah. And we popped in and I was almost disappointed. We didn't even get to hitch. I was like, one ride. He got here in six hours and it's never been repeated. It takes seven and a half hours to travel between Chicago and Minneapolis. It really does. I don't know what this guy was driving on, but we got here in six hours and Billy and I were in the back seat just chatting away. This guy was just speeding us up here. Every now and then he would turn around and smile at us and go, Minneapolis. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I felt like, oh, this is weird and good. So we got here and uh, got the ad, ads that I was going to rent a month-by-month place for three months and stay here. And, and the first place that we looked at was amazing. It was huge and it was cheap. And the landlady's name was Mrs. Cosmos. Cosmos. With, with a K. <laughs> and... I rented it, and it was on Chicago Avenue, which I thought boded well. Yep. So I, I began to feel like this was kind of weird, and somebody's writing this story. Yeah. This, like, this is definitely has a feeling of somebody's writing this story. And so the next day, after moving here, I didn't really know much about my purposes, except for to check out Minneapolis, kind of get some space to myself and think about my life as a whole. And I thought it would be good if I started learning how to make soup. Yeah. And, yeah. Soup. Soup, your Soup. thing. It's the, yeah, it's the center. <laughs> so I thought, I, I, I want to be a person who stays home and makes soup. So let me go to a store. And I looked up, I got this list of co-op natural food stores. And I, I picked one that seemed so, like it was reasonable to go to. I went there. And in that store, as I was in the produce department, I felt this amazing, strong, magnetic tug of energy, like a huge, huge bond or cord with a man who was sitting at the counter. Uh-oh. <laughs> checking out the, you know, doing the food checkout yeah. for people. I felt my whole body kind of turn, look at him across the room, and I thought, shall we have children soon or shall we wait a while? <laughs> I thought, oh, there you are. I want to just go... I felt my whole body just like, you know, kind of flowing in his direction. Yeah. And I got finished my shopping, very distracted. And as we checked out, I found that I was like wanting to kind of lean across the counter and sniff him a little bit, you know. <laughs> I wanted to see what he smelled like. like you, you look like my mate. <laughs> oh, that's so Come on, funny. Let's, let's admit it, everybody. When you met your mate, they smelled good to you. <laughs> You wouldn't be with them for 30 years, so they didn't smell good to you. I felt myself leaning over, like, hmm. And I felt like I wanted to sit next to him uh-huh. and just 
do the day and say, what should we make for dinner? Yeah. All that was just right there in the first second of looking that's at Fred Greco in Whole Foods oh, Co-op. Yeah, Fred. Oh, that's a great story. My Fred, this Fred, the one I've been with for 34 <laughs> years. Yeah, so, yeah. So I'm calling that, that my intuition's one. greatest hit. That's now, excellent. we didn't get together for two years after that because he was getting divorced and I was young and stupid and I had to grow <laughs> up a little more. But... I made we made the connection. I fell yeah. in love with him, and I always wished to meet him again. And I tried to meet him again. It never worked for about two more years, and then we wow. met again. Then we met again, and it was time. Like the door was open. Isn't that funny? he was available? I was a little more mature. We both knew what we wanted in um, in a relationship. He wanted children, and um, I was convincible. <laughs> so. <laughs> And you'd learned how to make soup by then. I learned how to make soup, and so we're off and running. So, oh, thanks for telling that yes. story. That's awesome. That <laughs> I have not regretted it. So I just have one kind of last question, and it might be a big question. We might have to continue it on to our next podcast, which we're going to continue on with intuition. Mm-hmm. But it, how you know, is there? Is it hard to learn the difference between your? voice of intuition and your voice of ego does that get in there or if you're doing that, it right it's not even an no issue. no it's an issue always it's always an issue because um our intuition can be torqued in, in mm-hmm. its accuracy or our, our perception of it of what it means by things that we desire greatly mm-hmm. or things that we fear greatly okay so fear and desire uh can play in there okay and uh, and our ego, yes. I want to be the latest, greatest, whatever. Yeah. Donald, I'm, I'm a psychic. I'm so, Here's my I'm card. so amazing. Yeah. I'm a psychic. <laughs> yeah, that would definitely torque it. So, uh-huh. yeah. So discernment is one of the things that we'll talk about next time. Oh, when we okay. talk about the different types of intuition that people yeah. have. And we talk about when and how to trust it with our discernment. Right. And what, what might block it. Yes. Okay. There's, there's certain so blocks people have. And there's certain challenges around get, getting accurate with it. But there's ways that you can tackle it and develop it, and it's really worth it. Well, that's that's great. So we'll leave it right there, but we'll continue this conversation, this ex- exploration of intuition. And uh, I just want to thank everyone for listening today. That was a great story, a bunch of great stories, Mary. Thank you. <laughs> intuition is so fun. You know, yeah. it's, really, it's really about life's magic. Excellent. Okay, and I would like to invite anyone who's listening who's enjoyed this podcast and might know somebody else who might benefit from hearing it, tell them about the Life Gets Better Now podcast. Uh, you can like us Use on- your intuition. Yeah, use your use intuition. Use your intuition right now to see who I should share this with. You can like us on Facebook, leave your comments there. Uh, if you want a link to go to, lifegetsbetternow.com. All the podcasts are there. You can easily share that with a friend in an email, or you could send us an email at forgivenesstraining at gmail.com. Thanks so much for joining us today. You've been listening to the Life Gets Better Now podcast with Mary Hayes Greco. Thank you to our sound engineer, Daniel Zamzow. And for the Life Gets Better Now podcast, I'm producer Aaron Warhol. And I'm Mary Hayes Greco. Thank you for joining us. You just kick that door.